Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yoma, daf Lamed Aleph, page 31. So our daf provides us with a neat cap to our big dilemma of yesterday, meaning we had this big discussion and debate between Benzoma and Rabbi Huda about you know, the question of uh, to what extent the immersion that the Kohen Gadol does gets in the way uh, meaning if he weren't to do it, to what extent would he get in the way of the avoda, you know, counting, being sanctified and so on? And to what extent, you know, must one do this immersion or is it, you know, recommended type of thing? I mean, I think it's a requirement regardless, but to, to what extent does it then, would it then invalidate the korban? So I'm here at the, I don't know, pretty close to the top of, of the daf on Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph says, Tibayali Rabbanan, Dapsigayali Rabbi Yehuda, so they, this dilemma, right, they brought the question from the Rabbanan who are disagreeing with Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda is the one who said that it is not necessary. Yes? Have I said this backwards? No, but yes. Benzoma says that it's a stringent thing, and Rabbi Huda says it's okay. Okay? I mean, not okay, but again, that it won't invalidate the, the korban. Ad kan rabbanan hatam avde avoda, aval lo? So the, what happens that the Rabbanim say that there's no, you know, requirement of this tzvila except in the case of when he's doing the avoda for the Beit HaMikdash, meaning it's, it, it seems, you know, to be, isn't that what we're talking about, right? But the question of like every day, if he would get up, what, what does he need to do? Is it when he's performing, prefer, per, excuse me, performing the service, right? You know, that seems to be the time when they would require the immersion. And or maybe we would say, no, they wouldn't require this, the immersion under any circumstances. It's just that it's a preferred way to be in terms of cleanliness. And the real reason that I'm bringing this is not because the Gemara makes it all a neat package and understandable. When we take it home so pretty, but because it does not. It says, uh, take you. Right, the Gemara is it's going to stand. The, the dispute is going to stand unresolved. Teku, we've come across several times. It means that we do not have a solution. They say that it is Rashi Tevo Tishbi Yavo. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tishbi Yitzaretz Kushiot Uba'ayot, something like that. Tishbi meaning Eliyahu Hanavi. This is something that is an unresolved dilemma, and we don't have a good answer. And so, Yerdana, when you said yesterday that you weren't so satisfied with the way the Gemara kind of concludes. The answer is, well, good, because it doesn't really conclude. Yeah, I, I may have also said that because I had also read the next staff and knew but I sort of pretended I didn't. No, I didn't pretend, Fine. but I knew this wasn't <laughs> no, going to be resolved well, but I think it's good to point out. So, you know, again, I think the Gemara is well aware that this issue of Tavila, when it's not an issue of Tuman Tara, is interesting. And it makes sense that it's a requirement. Like, I don't think you look and you're like, wow, that sounds extra. It makes sense, but you know, uh, this is what the Gemara does. It really wants to understand the underlying philosophy behind some of those structures, right? And the fact is, you know, for, we can't say that they're not required. It's in a Mishnah, and it was part of the Avoda. These washings, you know, are are a very integral part of the day, even if it's not a tumentara kind of of cleansing. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's just, again, I think the word is, I, I just keep thinking of, it's a sanctification. Right, right, exactly. And so we're going to actually, the Gemara picks up on that same word again, you know, applies it again. It's, you know, again, going to cite from the Mishnah, the original, you know, the Mishnah that was in the middle of the daf the other day. Chamesh Shvilot Vasaraki Dushin Tovel. 
right? Meaning there you have it again, 10 kiddushin, 10 sanctifications, meaning washing the hands and the feet. So what happens? So he dunks, he immerses, right? Um, he does this and he is he sanctifies his hands and feet, right? On the day of Yom Kippur. This is not something you could do in advance. So this all is done, meaning all these immersions and the sanctifications of his hands and feet take place in a Kodesh area, in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, in the hall. They call it the Beit HaParva, the hall of the Parva. All of this takes place there, except Chut Merishona. So also we were correct, right, in discussing the that the first dunk of the day is a completely, it's a different kind of thing. It even happens in a different place, namely Shaita Bachol Agabei uh, so where is it? This was done in a non-Kodesh place on the roof of the Shar Hamayim, this gate of the border, right? Which was basically near, it seems to be near Lishkato, his Lishka, his chamber, which is, I guess, where he slept or didn't sleep, as the case may be, right? They kept him awake. Amar ein etam mikarka azar... So Abai says, well, we can understand from all this that really what they're talking about is that there is Ein Etam, Ein meaning like a Ma'ayan, a, a spring. Ein Etam was a spring where the water, it, it's the kind of the last spring that brings the water to the Beit HaMikdash. And it was the claim here, according to Abai, is it was 23 Amot higher than the ground of the Azara of the, of the Beit HaMikdash. So the water then can come down into the Beit HaMikdash, which is a really strange visual for me because I picture the Beit HaMikdash at the high point, right? But that there's, you know, from, from these uh, tunnels and, of water around the city or at the old city, what now we have as the old city, then it was just the Beit HaMikdash. So that there's a piece of the land that would be over and then the water would be able to come down. And that's, and he would wash using using this water. Well, the one thing I just want to point out about the Aine Tam is that that is what provided water for this, you know, for the mikvah. So it's a very, very important spring. Right. And the fact is, nowadays, I mean, we still have an Aine Tam in that area, you know, and it's, um, we know that it's got an altitude X amount above sea level, right? And again, it's supposed to be 25 meters above where the Temple Mount is. So, you know, it, it the the archaeology lines up with this. The aqueduct itself, right? That's basically it has to be an aqueduct, right? It's there's a spring, but then it has to travel to get to the Beta Mikdash itself. Was you know at some point it was destroyed, meaning it was destroyed when they destroyed the temple, right? And then they kind of you know reconstructed it over the time. Um, I think because they needed water. I don't think that they were reconstructing it for archaeological interest, but then it provides archaeological interest as well, of course. Right. And um, I would encourage everybody, many of the Gemaras that you can use, you know, have pictures of this or a diagram of that. So just to look at that, particularly with the next discussion about how many amot high it was and how they made sure that the mikvah was filled with the appropriate amount of water. Um, right. yes. I'm going to move on to the Mishnah that's here, which continues with the Avodah. Pashat Yarad Vitzaval. So the Kohen Guzzle is going to remove the white garments that he was wearing. And he goes down into the mikvah and he told us himself, and then he comes up and he dries himself. 
there's something that I like that's kind of literary about showing sort of all the actual steps. Like it doesn't just say he gets to the mikvah and he gets dressed, right? There's a lot of verbs here. And just to sort of pay attention to that language, and I think it's to emphasize that the detail in the avoda is actually very important. Now they bring him these golden garments. So now he's going to wear not white linen, but these beautiful gold garments. And he wears those. And then again, he needs to sanctify his hands and his feet. Now they bring him the court, the animal, the sheep for the korban tamid. Right? So what does he do? He, you know, he begins slaughtering it. And then a different uh, priest comes um, and he basically uh, completes the actual shrita. So he sort of does it by, if you, you know, re- I don't know, he goes through like the, the gullet and the windpipe. So he doesn't go through the whole neck. He just goes through part of it, but does a big chunk of the shrita itself. Um, and then, and obviously, since once you go through particularly the windpipe, right, like you essentially have really slaughtered the animal. Um, then the other priest comes and, and sort of um, finishes it. And the reason for that is, is because we want the Kohen Gadel to do this last part of Kibela Tadamu Zarko. So that the Kohen Gadel comes and basically receives the blood in a Kli, um, which is the next part of the um, of the uh, Yom Kippur, you know, of the of the Avoda there. Um, and then he will sprinkle that blood um, on the altar itself. Nichnaslak Tir Ketorit Shel Shachar. Then the Kohen Gadol is going to move into the, you know, into the Eichal, and he's going to burn the morning Ketoret, right? And moves the Ula Hativatane Rot, and then he's basically going to remove the ashes um, from the menorah. Ula Hakriv et HaRosh Evarim And then he's going to sacrifice the head and the limbs of the Korban Tamid, right? Um, and the chavitin is like the, it's like this griddle, you know, I guess some English translation, it's like a griddle cake. It's, it's the flour, a piece of flour offering um, and the wine. So this is important that that ketort was done in sort of the middle of the avoda of the korban tamid, right? So it's that he literally, he, he, he does what he needs to do with the blood. Then he brings the ketort. Then they're going to put the um, actual pieces of the animal on the altar itself. But for the afternoon ketorah, they put the evarim, they put the limbs on the altar. And then before they bring the nisachim, which are all the libations, right? The flour and the wine and those things, that's when they do the ketorah. So it's a little bit different. So let's say the Kohen Gadol was old or he was in this halachic category of an istanis. So an istanis, I think we've talked about it before. It's like somebody who we say is sort of delicate. That's kind of one English translation. I think of it more as being a little bit like you're particular, you know, like you're one of these people who sort of, you know, can't stand to not shower, to not be able to wash your hands. You're, you're, you're just, you know, those types of things bother you a little bit. So I, I sometimes say finicky. Yeah. And I sometimes say like, we have a, a psychology group now, right, of highly sensitive people, right? That's like a category now. And I think that's, and you could be highly sensitive about one thing, but not about another. And I think that's a key element of istinous being, right? Just because somebody's sensitive to, let's say, showering, it doesn't mean that they're sensitive to 
I don't know, other aspects that somebody else might find to be an issue. You could be an instance for food. You could be an instance for, I don't know, temperature, you know, whatever. A- anything that you could be highly sensitive to. Right. So I, I think that's a good way to explain it. But it's a person who's sensitive. Um, and so what do they do for that person? Mechamim lo chamim. So, you know, that water of that spring is obviously like very cold. It's natural water. So if that's the case, they would heat hot water for him before Yom Kippur started. And they would pour it into the cold water of the mikvah, you know, in order it, that, you know, So they would pour it into the cold in order that the cold would not be so cold. It would sort of, you know, it wouldn't make it a hot mikvah but it would at least sort of take that chill out. And I think anybody who's ever gone into like a cold body of water, uh, whether it's been a lake or a natural mikvah, and you know, that's sort of how your breath gets taken away when you sort of your body hits that really cold water. So I think they tried not to do that. And, and it makes sense because I think if you were an istanis, you know, they want the aboda to go smoothly. Um, and so I think that's a particular thing that they're paying attention to. And, you know, again, one other theme that I'm seeing through all of this, you know, when we talked about what foods we feed the Kohen Gadol so he doesn't fall asleep or he doesn't have a nocturnal emission. Um, and even this is that, yes, it's the most spiritual day um, and the Avod is important, but like at the end of the day, the Kohen Gadol is also only human. And so we sort of see this toggling back and forth between the supreme spirituality of uh, the Avoda, but that Avoda is being done by a human body. And what are the accommodations we make so that the avoda will go smoothly because of all the things that we know that a human body is capable of doing or reacting to. Um, and so I like that. It's human. It, it, it really, you know, it's, I think this is actually a very Jewish value. It's, it's not denying that we're in a body. I think also we, we keep coming back to this in various ways. We saw it in Sachem, right? The idea that on the one hand, uh, this is a big push for spirituality, right? This is, that's the nature of the day. And on the other hand, Look at all these carbonates, meaning which is kind of the pinnacle of physicality. You know, it's hard work and it's bloody and it's you're talking about entrails, you know, etc. Um, it's it's a real mix of contradiction in terms. I totally see what you're saying there, and I but I, I but I like it that it's a mix. Like it's it's I don't know. To me, it's becoming something meaningful. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Music.